Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all had a great break. I wanted to let you know about something that I've been talking a lot about on social media at Zibby Owens, which is the hashtag 22 in 22 challenge. We are... At Zibby Books, we are encouraging everybody, like all of you, to visit 22 bookstores in 2022. And we're going to provide a whole series of incentives for every five visits, and you'll be entered to win a $500 shopping spree, and you'll get fun things like bookmarks and all the rest. Plus, you'll be part of a great community of people all helping support bookstores, authors, and more. We're really, really excited about it. If you want to join, sign up. You just go to 22in22.net. That's 22in22.net and click I'm in and put your information. And then every time you go to a bookstore, you just quickly go back on the site and click log a bookstore visit. And then we'll be keeping track and we'll be following up with all of your different achievements and awards and everything. So please sign up, spread the word, 22 and 22, get your friends to join and start visiting bookstores and it'll be really fun and exciting. So here's to a wonderful 2022. I'm so excited that you're listening to my podcast and doing all the fun things that I have been trying to bring into the world. So here we go, 2022, hashtag 22 and 22. Alison Larkin is the author of The People We Keep, 
She's the internationally best-selling author of the novels Stay, Why Can't I Be You, Swimming for Sunlight, and Now the People We Keep. Her short fiction has been published in the Somerset Review and Slice, and nonfiction in the anthologies I'm Not the Biggest Bitch in This Relationship and Author in Progress. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband, Jeremy, and their dog. I recently recommended Allie's book, The People We Keep, in my roundup for Katie Kirk Media about books about music. So check that out too. Welcome, Allison or Allie or whatever you want to call you, Larkin. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming on Mom's Done Time to Read Books. Thank you so much, Libby. It's really great to get to talk with you. I have to say, this is one of my favorite covers, The People We Keep. I like hold this up as like an example of like one of my favorites all the time. I don't know. Aren't you so happy with it? I'm so happy with it. Gallery did the most incredible job. I mean, even like the the gold lines on it. But the design is just so perfect. And they worked so hard to get it right. I'm just constantly grateful. For people listening, I won't even try to do this justice, but it's kind of like (laughs) a half of a sunshine with like these big sunbeams of all different colors with actual gold lines. I don't know. It's just the coolest. Not that you're supposed to judge a book by its cover, but I just have to say it sometimes when the covers are amazing. And ironically, I actually listened to this book as opposed to reading it, although I have the book here, but I spent like lots of time on walks listening and doing the housework listening and all this stuff. And then even like trying to like hide under my bed, I was like, I'll just take a little nap and listen at the same time. But then that didn't work. So I had to pause it. But anyway, (laughs) it, it was so great because it almost sounded like you were, like, I felt like I was inside of somebody else's head the whole time, which was amazing. So. Oh, thank you. And you heard Julia Whalen. What's that? You You heard Julia Whalen. Yes. Who was just so amazing. And it was just a joy to have her narrate this book. We have a long history. So it was just really special to get her to do this. Awesome. Would you mind telling listeners a little more about what your book is about? Sure. The People We Keep is about April Sawicki. She's 16 years old. She's living in a dead-end town outside of Buffalo, New York, in a motorless motorhome that her dad won in a poker game. And she steals a car and goes to an open mic night to play a couple songs she wrote. And it's the first moment where she realizes her life could be bigger than everything that she came from. And uh, after a pretty bad fight with her dad, she steals another car and hits the road. And then the book kind of follows her adventures for about three years as she tries to figure out where she belongs. I am keeping you very far away from my car is all I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dangerous now with my research. Right? The screwdriver and this and that. I was like, how does she know all this? (laughs) Research. Yeah. I think I could do it if I had the right year car. Like it couldn't be a new car. It would have to be an old car. But... (laughs) Yeah, I probably shouldn't admit that. I'm in the clear, you know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one thing that there were a lot of things I found really interesting about your book, but one was this, you know, I come, my parents are divorced and I'm divorced and you, you wrote about it so interestingly when her, her father remarries, right? So she has a, right, a half brother. I always get this wrong. A half brother, like the kid you call him with her stepmother and how she feels often completely ignored and displaced by this child. And there was some funny line you said, something like, you know, he might have to sneeze or something and they would both have to stand there and watch. <laughs> yes. Like that, that, like everything a new child does, like stops the presses. And yet her life, even though she's so much older and has this amazing talent, which goes completely unrecognized, it's just like an afterthought 
Yeah. Yeah. Her dad was really all in on his new life and didn't really have time for, I think he just wanted to be a person who hadn't made mistakes yet. And he'd made so many with her. And so she was a witness to that and he kind of couldn't, couldn't manage her. Like he couldn't handle it. That's a a lovely way to say it. (laughs) Another (laughs) moment that was just so special is when she's leaving town and she goes to her boyfriend's house and just like cuddles under his blankets and imagines a life if she were just to stay there. And she's like, I could have this life. I could, you know, keep working at the diner or doing whatever I'm doing. And this would be it. She's like, but I I can't. And then she has, she like extracts herself from the covers and and goes and cries. It was so moving. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I actually wrote the middle of the book before I wrote the beginning of the book. And so I had written a scene that's related to that one. I I never know how many spoilers to give in all of this, but (laughs) the sweater scene I had already written later on in the book. And so I had a purpose for that moment, which was kind of interesting. And it was for me as a writer, I had this moment where like all of a sudden this thing that I'd written that I didn't quite understand yet added up with that moment. And it was just so exciting. Like, of course, that's that's where it came from. Of course, that's what's happening. And I feel like April kind of kind of had her own book in mind. That's um, so cool. I just had to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did you do anything? Because in the audiobook, for instance, the lyrics of her songs, which are original songs, were just said. Did you think about having somebody maybe record those songs and make them into songs? I, I thought of it. A friend wrote a little bit of music for one of the songs. Actually, one of the songs she sings, she's writing in a hotel room, like in the whole actual sweater situation, actually, is a song that I wrote in my 20s and I gave it to her because it was like fitting. I played a little bit of guitar in my 20s and the open mic scene in the beginning is I did not steal a car to get there. It was in <laughs> a different place. It wasn't there. But I, I did not really knowing what I was doing, take my guitar and go to an open mic that ended up being like kind of a big deal open mic that I hadn't realized and got up and played my little songs. And so I sort of played with that in that scene, even though it's not about me. And then I gave April one of my songs. If you dig around on my Instagram, you can find a video of me playing it. But April is a better musician than I am. I want to make sure (laughs) to give her credit. Right. She actually I, plays for a living and I just kind of mess around. I did go on your Instagram, but I didn't, I must not have d- dug for, far enough <laughs> back, but uh, you know, maybe later. So this is your fourth novel, right? Yeah. I was, and they seem to be, this seems to be the most, like the character, I didn't read the other one, so I'm just making this up, but it seems like <laughs> this is the, the more like rough and tumble situation than like, this is a little more gritty and in it than the other ones, which are sort of lighter in tone. And I was wondering about if that's even true about that trajectory of sort of how you pick what you're going to write your novels about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're correct about that. (laughs) You, you guessed correctly. So I actually started writing this this book in 2006 before I had finished Say, which was my first novel. And it's been a journey because it is so much grittier than, you know, my romantic comedy novel about a woman who accidentally orders a German shepherd off the internet from Slovakia. You know, like there were serious things in my books before that I was kind of playing with the romantic comedy form and trying to really ground it in, you know, in 
the serious emotions that you have as a 20 something trying to find your way in the world. But this book just kind of came out of nowhere. I was writing pages of stay for a writing exercise and listening to music and April just showed up in my head and she's just the way she is. She's, she's gritty. You know, she, she's very much a product of her environment and then her desires and survival. And so my journey with this book has been trying to find the right people to understand what I was trying to do because everyone kept taking me in the context of my first book and then my Mm -hmm. second book and my third book. And I kept writing those books and I'm very proud of them and I love them, but this is a different side to my storytelling. And it just had to be the way it was. Like April felt inevitable. And anytime I tried to write, you know, at one point there was, there was kind of a rom-com version of this book because I'd gotten advice to kind of make it fit. And I felt like I'd betrayed her. Like I just didn't feel good about myself. And so I got to the point maybe like three years ago, two years ago, three years ago now, probably where I just decided that I was going to kind of take all my toys and go home. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to write this book for anybody else. And if maybe someday my niece found it and was like, what was this book? Then I'd be okay with that just as long as it felt okay in my soul that I'd I'd done a good job for April, which I know is such a weird thing to say. And that's when, you know, when I doubled down on what I needed to do, that's when I found, you know, Deborah Schneider, who's just the most amazing agent. And Hannah Broughton is my editor at Gallery. And she is... She's just a dream come true. I love working with her so much. And and then everybody at Gallery has been so supportive and really understood what I was doing, I think, because I was so clear and and wasn't willing to compromise. And so they got on board knowing that and and helped me make the book my vision instead of trying to make it something else. I love that. That is so cool. Really love that. Really thankful. That Gallery puts out. I'm like, I shouldn't say that. I should say I love them all, all the publishers. I do. I I, I appreciate. <laughs> never mind. But I. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a great book. Thank you so much. I think the real thing is how much I just wanted to be on the ride with her. I mean, you know, like I just loved her voice, and it didn't really matter what happened as long as I got to come along and see what happened next. And I think that's really the trick, right, to drawing in a reader is like you have to, I think it's much better to, well, not to say better or worse. Oh, I'm really like digging all sorts of holes for myself. (laughs) I find it a lot easier to get into a book when I like the character. And I know that's a a bone of contention, right, that you don't have to write likable characters. But especially in in a novel like this, which is so intimate and you're following one woman's journey, like you've got to want to go on the journey with her. So I don't know. I just loved how you created her voice. It sounded like so authentic and at times really funny and just awesome. So thank you so much. That's an interesting thing with a likable character because a lot of people felt April wasn't likable over the years. And that was kind of one of my struggles with her. I think, I think in, in a post me too world, we kind of stopped that a little bit. So I think maybe the world had to change a little bit for April to be widely considered a likable character to some extent, but I don't think she, I I never thought she wasn't a likable character. I think, you know, she's got this really strong beating heart and, and she has a code of ethics and she's trying not to hurt people and I think it's interesting what's what's likable and what isn't. Like in my mind, she always was. Like in my mind, she's like my dearest friend. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Well, I feel like you don't always like what your characters, what the character does. Yeah. Right? Like I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, I want to be best friends with somebody who steals cars and drops out of school or like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, like uh, on paper, if, if you like the actions aren't what makes you look, what they're certainly not what make me like a character. It's a, it's who the person is underneath. So yeah, I found that very likable who she was, not necessarily what she did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did too, as you know, writing her, which is kind of an interesting thing. Like it, I think that I spent 15 years with April and she was always kind of my happy place to go back to, which sounds weird because she's gone through a whole bunch of stuff. You know, it's 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 not necessarily always an easy journey she's been on, but just, you know, her heart's so good. And even when she's making bad choices, it's like she's trying her hardest in a very earnest way. And that has been really comforting to me to get to write. Does she, do you ever feel like you project stuff in your own life and it gets sort of not that you include things from your life in the book, but let's say you're going through something really challenging that then she runs into something challenging that presents itself in a different way. Like, is this all just one big therapy exercise really? A little bit. Yeah. I think it's more of, of my past though, than like what I was going through while I was writing it to some extent. I feel like this book is, is not my life. Like I, I grew no, up I'm, 
in a house outside of New York City. And I, you know, I'm not a traveling musician and all of that. But I feel like this book is kind of my life in allegory. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I made sense of myself by writing it. And I can kind of point to things and say, oh, I know where that feeling came from. I can remember the time when I felt like this. I can remember the time when, you know, I felt this way about that person and didn't understand it yet. Or, you know, or just having having people who kind of took me under their wing, like Margot did or like Ethan. I definitely have people in my life that I feel that way about. And so I think that my brain, you know, it wasn't intentional, but I think my brain just kind of took everything I'd ever experienced and this is what it did it's like it the recipe made this so there's a a quote from a Chris Perica song at the beginning of the book that says someday someday I'll offer up a song I was made to play and this is a book I was made to write like this is it like this is everything in my life makes sense because I wrote about April and I can decode it and actually one of my friends read it and then wanted to talk to me about it and she was like did you write this scene because of this thing that happened to you and I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of it and she picked it out. So, wow. but none of it is true. No, no, I, I understand. Yeah. Wow. You referred on your website to like the lost years and you have like undocumented time for like five <laughs> years. And I'm like, what happened then? What was that about? That was actually probably the time that influenced this book the most. I I went to Ithaca College as a theater major for for two years. And then I got diagnosed with attention deficit disorder while I was there. And it just completely rocked my world. I was like, I, I didn't understand myself before that. I thought that I wasn't necessarily all that bright before that. All of a sudden I found out that like, oh, you just didn't fit in school. Like that's that's the thing. And so I dropped out of school and went to bartending school and worked at a biker bar and a little Italian restaurant and had some unstable housing situations and a really bad boyfriend. And, you know, and just, I think it was the worst time in my life, except that I learned more than I ever could have learned. Otherwise I got to be behind a bar with, you know, I was like, 20, 21 years old. And I got to be behind a bar with grownups and have them like share their feelings with me and be like the person they came in to see every day after work. And I, I learned so much about people in that time. And I had my boss at the Italian restaurant where I worked took really good care of me. And so I had these experiences and some of them were really good and some of them were really bad, but I saw a part of people. I don't think I would have, if I just kept going through school and tried to find myself afterwards. I did end up going back to college eventually. I feel like anybody who wants to be a writer should just go be a bartender for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that it was... <laughs> not, that I, was not that I have been a bartender, but it sounds like but, the best way to get the a head start on character development and all of the rest. Yeah. You see so much of people that you just don't expect to see and, and end up caring about people that I think... You know, I had I had some people who taught me so much about life and, and so many like optimistic people too, which I thought was was really amazing for people who, you know, come and drink their dinners every night. There was <laughs> a lot of optimism. And I think it made me a more compassionate person too, to see that like people are trying their hardest and and we all have our vices and we all have our setbacks and you can still, you know, kind of let your kindness sh- shine through and still try to connect. 
Well, honestly, you look like you're 20 years old now, so I can't even imagine how young you looked when you were bartending at age 20. You must have looked like you were like 12 years old. Did you get that a lot? You must have. I did, yeah. yeah, I think, though, I've somewhat always looked the same. Like, I had an older face when I was younger, and now I'm like 44, and I think I still have somewhat the same face. I see it, but other... Like, I see the age on me, but a lot of times people are like, you look exactly the same. That's funny. I've been through everything though. <laughs> <laughs> so after writing essentially your like magnum opus, right? This is the grand work and you fought for it and now it's here and it's amazing. Like, how do you start again? Like, do you want to start again? Or are you like, that's good. Now I'm done. <laughs> Thankfully, I think, you know, partly because of my attention deficit disorder, when my brain is just always kind of thinking of things and then going, what, what happens next? Like, what if, what if I, you know, I thought it was like 2018, but I actually remember writing, working on it at a, a writing retreat that I did in Ithaca with a couple other writers in 2013, I think. I started writing this book that's kind of just been churning in my head. And because I'd had the experience of April and kind of knowing that I could go back to something, I, I, I've started seeding other books as I go and, and just collecting ideas. And so I have this book that I had written a bunch of stuff about. And then one weekend, I think that was in 2018, my husband went on a climbing trip and I put butcher paper up and down our hallways and just drew and wrote things with crayon like a crazy person. And I think that's going to be my next book is, is the crayon book because I just captured ideas and then I started putting it in the Scrivener file. And then every time I've had a thought about these characters, I have about 40,000 words just from that process. Oh They're just not necessarily in order, but <laughs> it's kind of the most painless way to write a book is to just kind of dive in when you have an idea because we stop ourselves so much. We're such completionists, you know? I mean, I, I had to get over that and be like, it's okay to just collect this and then go back to what you were doing. And I'm, I'm so thankful to past me for doing that because I think this would be a really hard book to, to look at a blank page after. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I think it's easier to, to conceptualize it as procrastination when actually it's actually just productivity in a different way. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to clear the decks too. It's like, if that idea is just going to nag you, then get it down and move on. Like, and so you're like a huge dog person too, right? I, yes. I'm gathering. <laughs> Do you see yes. my dog? Can you even see her on the couch behind Oh my goodness. She's like, I, um, yes. Yeah. I can only see her little collar. But uh, yeah. I, what was the essay that you wrote for the anthology about dogs? What was that about? It was about my dog, Stella, who passed away in the spring, who when we first got her, she would not pee on a leash and we didn't have a fenced in yard yet. And so I spent a lot of time outside squatting in my backyard, pretending I was peeing to try to get her to pee. And I still kind of look back and it's like, why'd you write an essay about that? <laughs> um, except it's, you know, just kind of human. And so I was like, you know, out in the, I think it's called Squatting with Stella by Starlight. And because I was just be out at like, you know, two in the morning trying to get this dog to pee, squatting in my backyard, like trying to hope that that would trick her into thinking that like, this is where we go. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we just got another dog. I actually, my husband has her right now because she was, she was really hyper, but we just got a, a rescue puppy named Roxy who is adorable and fun and fascinating and, and is okay peeing on a leash. So I don't have to do that. <laughs> I had a bulldog a while ago, like 10 years oh. ago or something. I bought her like from a pet shop. It was this, not the smartest thing to do, but anyway, 
and she wouldn't walk out of the pet store. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. She doesn't like to walk. She never walked a step (laughs) in her life. Not one. I had to get a stroller. I was like in my 30, early thirties, like pushing a bulldog and a stroller, which was, sounds cute, but it was really annoying. And she would only pee like at the bottom of this garage where the cars like came in and out, like on between two avenues, like right on the grate. So I would always have to like keep my ear for like a car matches. <laughs> and I'm like, I am going to get mowed down by a car before this dog will pee. And like, this is so not worth it, but like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> so anyway, that it's was amazing. Mabel. Yeah, they was they Mabel. train us. Like yeah. they really train us well. That's amazing. It was not good. But this, this Naya is like amazing. So, but it's like having a difficult child first, like then the next child is like a piece of cake. So I feel like I had my really difficult dog and now I have such an easy dog. So I appreciate every minute. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Anyway. Okay. What advice would you have for aspiring authors? I think that you kind of have to get to a point of having faith in your work before you put it out into the world. Like before you're trying to get professional feedback on it or professional support on it, I think I I went into this business a little more malleable than I kind of wish that I had. I you know, and I think I mean some of it, I don't know if it's possible. I think sometimes, you know, you look back at the journey and think like, oh, I wish I were different then, but I'm different now because of the journey that I went on. So how do you how do you take that apart? But I think, you know, we sometimes look to the industry to tell us if we're doing it right or we're doing it okay. And I think that the thing I learned from this book was that I had the support of other writers and and friends who understood my vision and kept nurturing and, and nudging me towards it and helping me not give up. And that made me go into this with more confidence. And because of that confidence, I found the right people Whereas other times in my career with this book, I was kind of questioning, like, is this okay? Is this all right? What do you think of this? And I think that, you know, that made the journey a little longer. I'm not sorry for it because it was a gift to have 15 years of of growing and being able to put that perspective into this character. But I just wish that I had... I just kind of want to go back to my old self and and hug her and be like, you're good at this. You can do this. It's okay. And I think that if there's any way as a writer that you can find that strength in yourself and just try to get your vision as clear as it possibly can be, and then work on getting people to help you match your vision, I think that's probably the best advice I can give. Awesome. That and learn how to steal a car. Just saying. Yeah, exactly. Never exactly. Know. Never know how... <laughs> How these things will come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, Allie, if I've earned the right, yeah. thank you for coming on Moms from Time to Read Books. And thanks for the people we keep. Thank you so much. I'm like going to frame this wallpaper. Oh, thank you. Wallpaper in my house with this if, if it were available. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Zibby. It's so nice to talk with you. You too. Have a great day. Right. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.
Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and presson falsies. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.